Hi, Millery Condon. Hour number two. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent and I with you until just before one. Uh, his plays of the day are coming up at uh, about 10 minutes before. Bottom of the hour, we'll talk Hawks with David Eicholt, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of 24-7 Sports. But we begin our uh, hour by talking about the Big 12, and we get our buddy Matt Poston's in here from Heartland College Sports. Uh, Matt joins us. Matt, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on, Matt Poston's. How are you? I'm good, man. Uh, how are you guys doing? Doing well. Uh, looking forward. I got my plane ticket to Big 12 Media Days in Las Vegas. Condon yet to pull the trigger, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's February. Got to get one of those cheap prices while you can, TC. Uh, it's going yeah, to be a I'm blast. With you there. I'm going to be actually in Red Rocks for Avet Brothers the weekend before that. Nice. So I'm going from Dallas to Denver to Vegas and then back to Dallas. So I've actually got it. I've got that on my list of stuff to do. Have you been? To, have you seen a concert at Red Rocks in Denver? Uh, this will be my third straight year at Red Rocks with Avet. So it'll be, it's, it's a blast. It's unbelievable. It truly is. Yeah. What a, uh, what a thing of beauty. Anyway, so is the Big 12. Maybe not on the floor. I'd hate to be one of those teams. It's physical. Uh, watching Iowa State and Houston just go after each other the other night. Let's start with the Cougars, uh, who have now, um, you know, back on top, uh, of the, of the Big 12 defensively. They just absolutely lock you down. So much to like about this team. Um, Back to Monday night, Iowa State. I mean, they they tried. They they, they never I think got the double digits, and they claw their back their way back into it. But Shed had other ideas. He's the conference's best player this year, I believe. Uh, what a game the other night, Houston. Look for real to me, Matt Postens. Yeah, I mean, I've been. I think I told you guys back in December. This is a team that already plays like a Big Twelve team, even before they got in the conference. So. I'm not surprised they're in contention. Maybe a little surprised they're ahead at this point, but I'm not surprised at all that they've they've been in the mix. And you know, to kind of put them in perspective, we've talked a lot about you know there isn't as much of a home court advantage in the Big 12 as there has been in recent years. Um, Houston's, I think, now the only team that is undefeated at home over the course of the season. Iowa State was the first team to lose to them by single digits at home. Hmm. That is how dominant they have been in that arena this season. I think it's now a 17-game winning streak at home, but they are almost impossible to beat at home. And Iowa State played good. I mean, they played a good game. Maybe they turned the ball over a few more times than they would have liked, and um, they actually out-rebounded Houston on the glass. I mean, they played a good game. It's just incredibly difficult to beat them at home, and it's even harder to do it when Jamal Shedd is playing the way he's playing. Yeah, have the clones lost at home? They have not. They no. have not. I didn't think yeah, so. They're yeah. also undefeated okay. at home, yeah. but not double digits like it had been no. for Houston until Monday. Uh, your takeaway on this Iowa State team? I I walked away impressed. They didn't play an A game, but they hung right there in that building and, and had an opportunity with a couple minutes to play to pull off the shocker there. Iowa State. How big is the upside with the Cyclones in your mind? I, I like where they're at right now. I mean, coming into the season, my biggest questions about them were, you know, can they? Can they shoot better from three, which they've got two or three high-level three-point shooters mm-hmm. now? And can they can they get better offensively from an efficiency standpoint without sacrificing their identity on defense? And they've done both of those things. Yep. Uh, I feel like they're a team that can contend to go to the Final Four because they're doing everything right defensively. They've got exactly what they need on offense. And I, I, I think people look at their, their forwards and they, they think, well, you know, maybe they're not high-level guys you know, but they rebound well. They do what Iowa State needs them to do within the construct of what they're trying to do on both sides of the floor. 
and they're just a high energy team that is really hard to slow down. And you know, when they're when they're firing, they're going to be really really hard for anybody to beat. Yeah, no doubt. I, I want to see the game for a third time. I want to see it on a neutral floor, which um, you know, hopefully we'll get in Kansas City. How do Houston fans travel? Is this a fan base that's known for, for following their teams? I mean, I, I guess where I'm going is, will they take over uh, the power and light district? We know Iowa State fans will. Uh, will Houston yep. uh, bring a good contingency of people? It'll be interesting to see. I've not seen them really on the road at all, uh, unfortunately. And I don't know how they've traveled to the American uh, tournament either, because sometimes it's been in the Dallas area, sometimes it hasn't been. Um, they do very well at home. I mean, they're they're selling out every game. Uh, I think in fact, I think they're actually over capacity hmm. for every game at home. So my guess is they'll travel well, especially since this will be their first Big 12 tournament. But I'm going to be interested to see how well they travel. I, I'll say this. I've always felt like they're more of a basketball school than a football school, if we're being honest. So if they're going to travel, it's going to be for basketball. Take us to the Jayhawks. The inconsistency, win-lose, win-lose, win-lose over their last five. It's certainly not a vintage Kansas team. Depth has been an issue here. Is there still another layer that they can unlock? If they get McCuller healthy, can, can this still be a Final Four contender? You know, getting McCullers healthy is going to help them. This team very much reminds me of their 2018 team, which actually went to the Final Four. They had an extremely talented starting five, but they had very little depth. In fact, there were many nights where they were only playing six or seven guys in conference play. And they got into the tournament, and they turned it on. They, they flipped the switch and got through the first four rounds and got to the Final Four before they got you know blown out by Villanova. Mm-hmm. They're very reminiscent of that team. If everybody is playing well and everybody's firing, then they're going to be very difficult to beat. But if even one little thing is off right now, and right now it's the, the injury to McCuller, it's the lack of depth. Mm-hmm. If any one little thing is off, they're going to have a hard time. So, you know, right now they're tied for third in the conference. They're fighting for that, you know, third, those third and fourth double buys in the tournament that get you to the, uh, the quarterfinals. Uh, I think that's really important for them because they have so little depth right now. Um, they could probably use an extra day or two to not play a game in Kansas City and get their guys a little bit more rest. Um, it's a critical push for them, I feel like, because they need that break probably more than a Baylor or a Texas Tech does because those two teams have more depth than Kansas. But I'm not putting anything past Kansas in the tournament, but they have very little margin for error, very little margin for anything to be off in terms of their chemistry or in terms of their quality of play. Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports joining us. It's uh, Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 Kicks. I know you're listening to Miller and Condon. Matt, is there a team in the middle of the pack that, um, you know, keep your eye on type of team that might be, you know, get on a little bit of a heater? Uh, is it a TCU, a team like I don't, I have confidence in BYU away from home. Um, Texas is, I mean, I, I'm still not sold there. Who's that team in the middle of the pack for you? For me, it's probably TCU, and, and for a couple of reasons. One, they're really deep. They can go eight, nine guys on their bench and not lose a whole lot. Second, you know, we, we talked about guys, teams being undefeated at home. TCU is one of only two teams in this conference that has a winning road record for the whole season, mm-hmm. uh, including non-conference. Uh, Houston's the other one. I think TCU's five and four on the road. So they, they've got a little bit of toughness to them that helps them when they're away from Schulmeyer. And I think that's going to help them in the Big 12 tournament. 
I think it's going to ha- help them in the NCAA tournament. They're a quality defensive team. They play at pace. Uh, they can get up and down the floor. If you can't slow down their fast break, you're not going to slow them down, period. Um, of those three, that's probably the one that I that I like the most. Texas is the one I like the least. I was telling the guys in Sirius this morning, they're like the one team in this conference I cannot figure out. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know what their identity is. You've got Dylan DeSue and you've got Max, and then after that it's just whoever kind of shows up and plays a great game. And that's not going to get them very far in the Big 12 tournament, nor is it going to get them very far in the NCAA tournament. Looking towards the offseason, how many coaching moves are we going to have in the Big 12? You look at West Virginia, obviously an interim coach. Oklahoma State, it's been another disappointing year for Boynton there. Uh, UCF, Johnny Dawkins has been there forever. They made one NCAA tournament when they gave Duke a run in the round of 32. Uh, how many coaching moves are we potentially going to see this offseason in the Big 12? Well, number one, West Virginia will have a new coach. Uh, I don't think Josh Eilert's going to keep that job. You know, I, I think he's done admirable work given the circumstances, but I fully believe that they will do a full national search looking for a new head coach. And don't, I, I would, I wouldn't put money down on it, but I think Ben McCollum at Northwest Missouri State's going to be the guy. Um, he's a highly successful D2 coach who has a good relationship with the athletic director there, Ren Baker. Um, Oklahoma State, to me, is like the only other one where I see maybe a change happening. And I think that's going to really just depend upon the administration's comfort level with where Mike Boynton is taking the program. He he talked about NIL a little bit last week and talked about the fact that he really only has about $500,000 in NIL resources for his basketball team and you know said 10 of the 14 teams in the conference I know have at least a million. So I think what he's asking for right now is more resources. And I think the 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 athletic director there is going to have to decide if another year of Boynton is worth trying to invest in those resources. I think they've got a really good young team. I, I think that if he can keep that team together and give them another another year to grow, I think they could be a really good team next year. And if you watched the Cincinnati game last night, you've heard, probably heard this stat. They're 21-14 and 14 after Valentine's Day under Mike Boynton. Jr. So. For whatever reason, the last month of the year, things finally start to come together for this team. I think the trick for Boynton is they've got to, that's got to happen sooner. That's got to happen earlier in the year for them to be a serious contender in this conference. Uh, Jerome Tang, no trouble. I mean, he came into Ames, accused the student managers of, of videotaping uh, the huddle since then. They've lost seven out of eight games. Yes, the win was over Kansas, so that buys you some goodwill, no doubt about that. Uh K-State, to me, has is, is, uh, been a disappointment this year. I know that they've had a lot of roster turnover, including in-season roster turnover. Uh, Tang in any trouble at all? I don't think so, unless there's just a real undercurrent of a bad relationship between him and the university president. And that's where that kind of came out, uh-huh. or at least that's what I, I – I think that's what we all heard about. That's, when what I, that's how I read it, yep. Ray. That, that would be the one area where I say to myself, if he's not getting along with the president, that could be a problem. But I think that's more a situation where if Tang gets offered a job that allows him to move on, he might do that rather than, say, the university president telling Gene Taylor to fire Jerome Tang. I don't think that's going to happen. I think if Tang leaves, it's because he just wants out and wants to move on to a different opportunity and not have to deal with that relationship. Talking with Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports. Matt, let's uh, jump over to a little football. The 5 plus model, five plus 7 model is in, and already talking about a 14-team playoff two. before yeah. we've even had a 12-teamer. <laughs> Your perspective from the Big 12 angle of this as the SEC and Big 10 look to be trying to flex their muscle. Yeah, I mean, 
it's I think for the Big 12, it's about making sure that you remain in the conversation about all this stuff. Keep attaching yourself to the SEC and the Big Ten. The reality is there's already a financial chasm between the, those two conferences and everybody else. Uh, I think your mark does a good job of making sure that the conference doesn't get left behind as much as possible when it comes to the money. There's a really good piece by Ross Dellinger last week about you know this this conversation, not just about football, but basketball too. And your mark said that you know, he's not worried about this whole uh, advisory board thing. He feels like as long as they're communicating with them, they're fine. He said they got an up, they got a heads up on it before they announced it. So I don't think he's too worried about it. But, you know, I think you have to have some level of concern about it because I think we all know something is coming. It may not be two years from now. It may be 10 years from now. But we all know at some point that there's going to be a split between power four group of five when it comes to this game there's just there's no way around it at this point and that split may just be for football Mm -hmm. but if you're the big 12 and you want to play big time football you're you're going to have to do it with the sec and the big 10 unless they just don't want you and if they don't want you there's no amount of case that you Mm -hmm. can present to remain in that in that mix so for me it's for your market it's relationship building, which seems to be something he's really good at. He seems to have built good relationships with Sankey and with uh, Petiti at the Big Ten early on, but it's just about continuing to build that relationship and remaining in the conversation. And, you know, I would I would think silence would be a bad bad yep. thing between these conferences right now. You just you gotta stay in you gotta stay in the game. And and that's what your mark seems intent on doing right now. How much that evolves over the next uh, several months will be interesting because, you know, somebody made the point, the expanded playoff, the 12-team playoff, is only good for the next two years because mm-hmm. they haven't signed the new TV contract yet for what kicks in in 26. So there could be more changes coming, like you said, with a 14-team or a 16-team playoff, which they already seem to be talking about. Yeah, indeed they do. What he, he what I do like about your mark is I believe he, he realizes – um, that he that he is holding one card, and that's basketball, right? And he do, does believe yep. that they're leaving money on the table when it comes to basketball. Uh, and I agree with him. And he's got a really good conference that he resides over when it comes to that sport. So we shall see. Going to be fascinating to watch, no doubt about it. Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports. Heartland College Sports. Uh, will you be in Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament? Yep, I show up on Friday for uh, the women. Uh, I think that's like the eighth or something like that. And then I'll be there all the way through to the men's finals. So I'll be there for uh, most of the women's games and all the men's games. Good stuff, Matt Postens. We'll impose on you. Good to talk to you, Matt. Thanks for jumping on. Appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Matt Postens, Heartland College Sports, as we catch up on the Big 12 with, I think, as good a resource as there is out there when it comes to Big 12. I really do. They do a terrific job. Iowa State, I saw the bracketology over at ESPN, the Iowa State women, as we talk at the women's tournament. By the way, a huge game again for Audie Crooks yesterday. Yes, and they were one of the last teams in. Really? Well, without, yeah, last teams in, I think uh, six team in, something like that. So a little bit of wiggle room there. but Just get in. That's right. Keep piling up. They get BYU uh, coming up over the weekend, followed up by K-State. As we know, that'll be tough. And then Cincinnati to wrap things up should be a victory in that one. Calculate the seeds, and they're the sixth seed in this scenario. That means they would play the 8 o'clock game on Friday night, March 8th.
against the winner of Texas Tech Houston. Okie dokie. Well, uh, and whenever they do, you'll be able to hear the game right here on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. You'll be able to hear David Eicholt opining on the Hawkeyes with Trent and I when we come back. Trent's plays of the day still to come. Circus Sports sponsor those. It's Des Moines Sports Station 106. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Got to do this. Oh, uh, this is my music, Trent. Thank you. <laughs> it's for our next guest. <laughs> it's this lady. It is mine. Uh, Anne Murray. <laughs> Close. Close. Let's get David Eichold in here. Murray. You're listening to 106.3 KXNO. <laughs> Miller and Condon. Hello, David Eichold. How are you? I'm good, guys. I appreciate the brown nosing of the intro music, Trent. Thank you. Oh, uh, yeah. Only for you, Eichold. Only for you. That's the only time the Dua Lipa plays uh, certainly 11 to 1. That's for sure. Yes. We pride ourselves on our bump music. I was not sure where this one came from. Uh, anyways, uh, I'm not sure where the Iowa men's have come from. All of a sudden, three quad didn't play last night. Got another quad one credited when Minnesota moved to uh, 73. Good for good for the Hawks. They're going to need each and every one of them. I guess where I want to start with you, David, is, is Patrick McCaffrey, uh, who's really, um, you know, it's seemingly there's one guy on every roster, right? You get to the middle of February, and I don't know if they look at the calendar and go, oh my God, I'm almost out of career. Yes, I know he can come back for another year. I don't think he is. But Patrick McCaffrey's been really good uh, in most of his last outings. What's behind it? Is it simply getting past that balloon that was attached at the bottom of his right leg? I mean, my ankle, the ankle rather looked like a grapefruit. Yeah, I think there's a couple factors. One, I do think the ankle obviously had a play into it. I think, you know, he. Per, I can't believe he even played some of the games he did when you take a look at that ankle because he did not miss much time. So, you know, he was really fighting some pain there. And remember, he did also get sick earlier earlier this month as well. Um, and I think really limited his sort of conditioning and everything. And, you know, ultimately, and this is no disrespect to Patrick, he's just built to be a sixth man. I just think when he goes out there and he plays from that bench role, the first guy off the bench, he plays with a lot more confidence. I think he plays more free. I don't think he feels there's as much pressure on him. And he's done some really good things. I mean, you think back to all the free throws he hit in a row. He's hit some big-time shots, had a big offensive rebound that helped secure that win against Wisconsin. I mean, he's done some different things off the bench where he just looks like a weight's been lifted off his shoulders. And, again, that's no disrespect Jamal Crawford made it a heck of an NBA career being the sixth man. It's Peyton Sanford last year was the sixth man of the year in the Big Ten Conference. Patrick just looks he's like he's much more in his element with this team specifically when he comes off the bench. And I think his willingness to adapt and embrace it 
I think that's played a big part in his sort of reemergence here over the past couple of weeks. Ben Cricky coming out of nowhere mm. with a double-double, a incredible performance with 14 rebounds in the game, four offensive team, 10 on the defensive end. Uh, it'd been a struggle for him. We know he's not a plus defender. He's not known as a great rebounder, but he certainly had it against Michigan State. What do you equate that to? And definitely feels like something, if they are going to make a run here, Cricky's going to have to play like that. Yeah, and you know, I think he was really trending downward here over the past couple of weeks. I think he put together his worst stretch of games, at least in his Iowa career. You know, going back to the last couple of weeks, I mean, you think back to that Wisconsin game, he had four fouls, five rebounds, four points. That game against Maryland, he only had one rebound in 34 minutes. I mean, I did some research yesterday for a story. Before the last game against Michigan State, Ben Cricky had not had more than five rebounds since January 6th hmm. in a game. Jeez. And he's your starting four guy. He's, you know, six foot nine, 245 pounds. He's done some really good things for Iowa. And Iowa does not win that game at Michigan State without Ben Cricky. I mean, Owen Freeman's going to be fantastic. He got in bad foul trouble. Laji Dembele did some good things. He got in foul trouble. He played 38 minutes. Nine of his rebounds came in that first half, which is when I really thought the game could have gotten away from Iowa had somebody not taken control. So I think it's just, you know, you talk about the clock running out for certain guys. Yes, Patrick could be in that category. But Ben Cricky is 100% mm-hmm. in that category. So, I think you need to kind of tip your cap to him. And, you know, he's played some really good games for Iowa this year, but they need him to be at his best here over the next couple of weeks if they want to try to make a run here for the NCAA tournament. And they're going to need Owen Freeman on the floor, David, as you know, and you just touched on it, the foul trouble. How do they get past that? How does how does Fran McCaffrey get in his head uh, and just, I mean, he's got to play smarter, right? He's a freshman. They're not, they, they doesn't have the respect of the officials uh, just yet. And they need him on the floor, uh, and, he, and he picked up two fouls really early, another two fouls really early in the second half, and I think it was around three minutes left in the game that Fran finally put him back in. But they need him on the floor. How can they work with him to try and, you know, to, to clean that up? You know, I hate to say it, it's game experience. Mm-hmm. He's just going to have to learn and grow from it. And, you know, you talk about not having the respect of the officials. I mean, it was very interesting to me watching that Iowa State-Houston game the level of physicality oh that God, was in that yeah, game, yeah. and then watching Michigan State and Iowa. It was like two completely different sports. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get don't get me twisted. I mean, I do believe that at least two or three of the fouls that were called on Freeman were fouls. I think he has a great understanding on offense. He knows how to become a shot blocker on defense. I believe he's only four blocks away from surpassing Chris Street's freshman record for blocks, you know, most blocks by a freshman. So I think that'll be something to watch. But I do think when you look at his chest and you look at the way he moves his feet when he tries to to defend a shot, he does have a tendency to kind of lean into the defender. I mean, he's not Zach Eady. He's not a guy that's going to get the benefit of the doubt every single call. And that is part of the freshman aspect of it. And, you know, Fran McCaffrey touched on it, I think, maybe a month ago when he said, I like my six-time freshman of the week to get some more respect. And I do think that that has played – a factor to some degree, but you think back to how great Gable Shaney was during the latter part of his Iowa career, but how many times did he go in as a freshman, play six minutes and have three or four fouls, right? And then he became the leading shot blocker in the Big Ten. So it's just kind of learning and continuing to adapt to the college speed, the college game, and understanding the level of physicality that's going to be allowed in the Big Ten. So I think he'll be a little bit frustrating through the end of the year, but I also think he's going to get cleaned up before next year. And Owen Freeman's a student in the game. I think that fourth one was 
obviously a frustration foul on his part. I think he needs to continue to learn and grow from it, and that's only going to happen with in-game reps. Other two freshmen, really intriguing. Obviously, Lajay Dumbali, we've seen it at times this year, just so raw. But once he figures it all out with that size, the versatility that he has, really excited about his future. And we're seeing a little bit more from mm-hmm. Price Sanford. And I thought this was going to be a lost season for him, just buried on the bench. And though their spot minutes, he's been impactful when he's come into games. Yeah, you know, I was almost in that category with you. I, I didn't think he would turn it around this late in the season. I thought if he was going to emerge, it would be more so in the middle of January, kind of getting his feet wet in the Big Ten. But, you know, he is doing some good things. I mean, I think he's finally found some confidence in his shooting, and that was his big prowess coming out of high school. I think defensively, I think he's giving a ton of effort. I think he's doing a lot of little things. I think he's going to need to continue to put on some weight to have some more strength. But you can tell he just does not look lost out there anymore. And I think that was a really big part for me watching Price Samper, especially in the beginning parts of the year, the beginning parts of the Big Ten. There were just times where he really couldn't get it together uh, on either end. But he just looks like he knows what's going on now. His awareness is higher, and he's playing with more confidence. And Lodge Dembele, if he gets any sort of offensive game here over the offseason, I mean, his legs are like tree trunks. Nobody's moving him down the low post. I think his basketball IQ needs to continue to grow, but his level of physicality, his aggression on the glass, there are a lot of things that he can do well and the ceiling is high in. I think you look at Iowa's roster and say, there's a lot of guys that really can't do what Logie can do. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how he continues to sort of emerge. But he seems to have really embraced his role as a rebounder and defender. And I think that's half the battle with some of these guys sometimes. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, Trent and I have twisted ourselves in knots trying to find a path for <laughs> Iowa to to get to the dance. Um, I'm not sure we should have been going down that path, but all of a sudden now with back-to-back quad ones, they don't play last night, they pick up another one. They've got some quad one opportunities down the road. Yes, you're going to have to go to the tournament, the Big Ten tournament, and win a game or two. But what looked like uh, daunting, at least there's a glimmer of hope. David, would you go there? I'd go with a glimmer. Uh, I I think it was a bad case scenario that Illinois choked one. Yes, that's for sure. Yeah because they're going to get a very upset Illinois team. And, you know, I do think Illinois-Iowa, I don't know why they're not playing twice a year protected. These games have been awesome. I know when they've come down the wire, Illinois pulled them out as of late. But they are, they're just exciting basketball games with two fan bases that don't like each other. So I think Iowa needs to win three out of the last four, and I think they need to win a tournament game in the Big Ten. I think that's probably the only way I can see them getting for sure in the tournament, but they're going to have to find a way to split with Illinois. And like I said, Illinois just seems like a nightmare matchup. And I'll tell you, right now, I don't know who's going to be able to guard Terrence Shannon. I know Iowa's done pretty well lately over the, you know, when they've played against him. But I just look at Iowa's defensive roster. They have a tall task ahead to try and neutralize him. Iowa, a week ago, had a 3.2% chance of making the NCAA what is it tournament. Now? According to Bart Torvik, it is up to 16.5%. Well, Keeps going up. And even the last couple of days, even after the win, uh, added uh, it was 13% after the win against Michigan State. So maybe the bubble's starting to break their way. Well, don't have to worry about the bubble no. for the women's team. Uh, no. they are, you have to worry about tickets <laughs> to go see them. That's right. And that's what we're going to yeah. get when those NCAA tournament tickets in the first and second round at Carver go on sale. You know, they'll be gobbled up quickly. Still a lot to play for. Still a regular season title, but... Likely has to win out in order to get there. Indiana tonight, 
What concerns you most when you look at this matchup against the Hoosiers? You know, I do think on paper, I think Iowa's a better team. I think Sydney Parrish, who's been a big part of Indiana women's team this year, I think she's still pretty limited. She only played, I believe, six and a half minutes in that blowout surprising loss at Illinois. But this is an, an Indiana team that wants to beat Iowa's breaks off. I mean, you look at Terry Morin, you think you look at Mackenzie Holmes, you look at some of the people on that team, you look at the way things unfolded at the end of last year. Indiana wants to crush Iowa and keep them out because essentially if Iowa loses tonight, Ohio State's probably win the Big Ten if it's not already done. So Iowa already has to basically win out to at least have a shot at splitting the Big Ten title with Ohio State. But I think Mackenzie Holmes versus Hannah Stolke. I thought Iowa did a nice job last time of trying to minimize Holmes. I think she still had a pretty good game, got her own. But an X factor for tonight, I think it's going to be Asno Grady. Can Asno Grady step up on defense and at least neutralize and frustrate Mackenzie Holmes? Maybe Hannah Stolke gets Holmes in foul trouble. But these are the type of games where people are going to tune in to watch Caitlin and the rest of this team. I think Iowa needs to find a way to get Gabby, uh, Gabby Marshall involved again she needs it can this is where she kind of turned it around last year i think she needs to get red hot from three kate martin has had 20 points or more in the past two games back-to-back games for the first time in her career we know caitlin's going to be caitlin but iowa needs to find a way to neutralize mckenzie holmes and the post players more than anything else because even leading into the big 10 tournament the ncaa tournament teams are going to hit threes against iowa with the speed that iowa plays that's kind of just it's going to be a thing right but the teams with elite post players, without Monica Sinano and without a lot of post proven post depth for Iowa, that's going to be a major concern. I'm going to be watching here uh, over the next month or so. Yeah, they beat they, they beat them by 25 uh, earlier this year. So sure, Indiana's going to have a little chip on their shoulder uh, tonight when they collide. Um, last thing, for, uh, last thing for me: combines coming up. Cooper DeGene is not going to participate. He's not going to test. Uh, he's going to save that for uh, workouts closer to the uh, closer to the draft itself. I don't know what that would be at uh, Iowa's pro day or not, David. But um, look, you just put in the tape, right? You see how good he is. I know there's a lot of people that wanted to see him in Indianapolis, but does this hurt him at all? You know, I don't think so. I don't either. I think about because I initially thought that, but I also think there's been so much talk about what a freak athlete that Cooper DeGene is, and it's rightfully so. But there's such lofty expectations on him going into that and for him to test among the top to kind of confirm his spot as an early to mid first rounder. I think right now, if Cooper's only 90% or he's not as healthy as he was or testing as he was in during the season, I don't think there's a need for him to go. I think it's all for him to lose. If he goes there, let's say people expect him to run a 4-3, let's just say, right? And he runs a 4-4-5. That's going to be huge for him. So I think this makes a lot more sense. And I think there's a pretty clear-cut path to what teams are even looking at cornerbacks. And I think if Cooper just sits, I won't say sits out for another two weeks, but just focuses on his rehab, continuing to get back to where he was, I believe he's probably about 90, 95%. But again, with the lofty expectations, I think it would do him more harm than good than to go test next week if he's now 100% willing to go out there and run that 4-3, have that short-term agility quickness. It just It seems like he could just lose a lot more than gain. All right, less than a month to go to football, spring football, and we get things started again. I have heard nothing. 
Absolutely not. And I know they're, they're lifting weights, right? There's, there's no workouts. There's no football activities that are happening, at least with the coaches there. Are you getting anything at all, any hearing of what the players are thinking about Tim Lester, Bud is a wide receiver coach, any kind of insight with the new hires? Yeah, so I haven't really gone too much in depth with sources about John Budmeyer at this point, but I've heard really good things about Tim Lester. I've heard Lester has really done a nice job of getting to know the players' strengths and weaknesses, has met with a lot of the players, if not all of them already, in one-on-one meetings just to kind of learn more about them. And the offense is kind of getting, I won't say finalized, but it's really starting to come together at this point. I've heard it's pretty complicated. It's going to be a learning curve, but I also have been told there's a lot of exciting things in the work. But at the same time, I would also caution people when we get into spring. In my opinion, this is just for me, I think it's going to be a rough look just because you don't have Kane McNamara. You have guys trying to learn a new offense from a guy that got hired, what, three weeks ago, so about six or seven weeks old. Whenever the public viewing is for the spring game, I think it's going to be a really rough look. But I would advise people not to overreact. This is going to be a, a I would say, more sloppy portion of offensive spring football for Iowa, less polished. But I also think that could lead to some major growth. So I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm really intrigued about this. And uh, there has been good returns on Tim Lester so far. Good stuff. Uh, well, you know fan bases. They're a very patient bunch. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We'll see. Uh, David Eicholt, HawkeyeInsider.com, part of 24-7 Sports. David, anything you'd like to promote before we let you go? Uh, just stay locked in to HawkeyeInsider.com. Should be a great game tonight. We have uh, full coverage of recruiting that's coming up here soon. Spring football's on the horizon. And, uh, News doesn't stop, guys, and the uh, college football video game comes out in five months. So I'm already waiting on that, so we're all good. There you go. Good stuff, David. We'll uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you, David Eicholt. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. Yeah, you do the same. David Eicholt, as we check in on the Hawks. I think it's fair. I mean, uh, the, the spring game going to look a little yeah disjointed in some respects. We don't have your starting quarterback. Well, that's, that's a problem. And you're implementing a new system. Yeah. It will be a new system. It is. Sounds right? like it. Sounds like it. Right. Uh, Trent, I think it is. I think that the, the, those fears that uh, uh, the, the Hawkeye Nation, quite not just you, Hawkeye Nation had, I, I think you can put them aside. And then at halftime, I'm texting you at the yeah. Illinois State game. What is <laughs> no. this garbage? Right. Also, oh, the, the game one, you're oh, saying. Yeah. I did the same thing at the beginning of the Greg Davis era. <laughs> this is not going to work. Uh, it's a 1245 Miller and Condon take our timeout. Trent's plays of the day are coming up next. Big couple of Big Ten games tonight. You have one of them on the slate. I got a couple of them on the slate. And we'll find out who they are and which way he's going when we come back. It's Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Circus Sports sponsors Trent's Plays of the Day. You can download the app at the App Store and uh, fund your account. And away you go at Circus Sports here in the state of Iowa. So the Iowa women play tonight. What did you say about a five-point favorite? Four-and-a-half-point four favorite? Yeah, that was at last check when we had Paul Mon hadn't taken a peek if it's moved at all. Moneyline also available on that game. Uh, plus 170 if you want to bet on the Hoosiers on the money line. Let's see if there has been any change. Nope, still four and a half okay. is the number. I would lean Hoosiers. It's been kind of those fourth quarters for Iowa on the road. That's mm-hmm. been the concern. And even the game in Maryland that they ultimately won, and they let the Terps right back into that game too before pulling away a late in that one. So that would be the lean. Mackenzie yeah, Holmes. Nebraska, what happened over there? Yeah, they're getting healthy, Indiana is. Holmes is so good. Mm-hmm. And... They held her to 60, and I looked at the box score when Eichelt was on when they uh-huh. played earlier. If she gets going, they start knocking down some threes. This is a talented team. I was had their number lately. 
Yeah, they're right there with the Hawks in right. the standings. Yeah. So I would lean, but not an official play on that one. All right. What are your official plays? So I got five for today, but I know there's a lot more that I'm going to add to my card. I'm going to have a little more time uh, this early evening before the game start that'll be able to get a little more handicapping done. But for right now, we're going to kick things off. Five o'clock tip off. Get this one in early. The main bears. Yes, we're going to lay the five and a half against UMBC. Uh, here's another goofy one. We got the under 158 in Eastern Washington, Northern Arizona. Again, these are strictly number places. Mm-hmm. There's no actual eyeball test with all these. Uh, these are all just about my numbers. Then teams that I do know a little something about. The Gophers at home against Ohio State. Coming off that epic win for the Buckeyes. There's got to be a letdown, right? I yes. Give me Minnesota. I'll lay the three and a half with the Gophers. I will do the same with Northwestern. They are a great team. Not a good team. A great team at home. They're a good team outside of it. No Tiberi, I get it. Michigan, dead program. Walking. Minus 12. I am fine with that. I will take both and the that's home favorites. FS1. Eight o'clock. Yes. Tip for that one. And then late night tonight, it is for supremacy in the Pac 12. You would have said this before the year. Arizona, Washington State. That Washington State would, with a win, be in first place in the Pac-12. People would have drug tested you. Mm -hmm. And here they are. Now a game out. They get a shot against Arizona. Big number here. I'm going to grab the big number, though. Getting 13 with Wazoo tonight. And I think I brought this up to you off air like a week ago. We were talking about Drake. I I wondered what happened to Yesifu. Right. He went to Washington State, played the first five or six games Hurt his hip really badly, is out for the rest of the season. Says he will be back with Washington State next season as he'll get a redshirt year out of this one. But what a crazy wow. run it's been What's through their his career. Basketball schedule. We know what their football schedule is going to be for Washington. Have they t- Mountain they, West will it's be same, a part same of it. deal. Because yeah. what is it? Six games, I think, at minimum they're going uh-huh. to get. This first year is a little goofier. I think there's four Mountain West games, but then going forward, six games. And then they try to piece it together after that. Not going to be real fun for those programs. As no. we saw, Independence, Chicago State's trying to be independent in basketball this year. Mm-hmm. They played their last game against a D1 program last week. <laughs> yeah. And they have a couple of their like, D2 games, I think, that they have uh-huh. scheduled late in the year. Uh-huh. Not always going to be fun. You know, if you're Washington State and Oregon State, do you play two home and homes? You have to. Play four games in basketball? I think you would have to. A proximity? Mm-hmm. Save a little dough. Yeah. Yep. Do things like that and then... Figure it out from there. Mm. Not going to be um, fun. Are the, is the Iowa women's game on the road sold out tonight? It is, yes. Another, <laughs> filled another building. Filled another building. Unbelievable. All right, that's going to do it for us. Murph and Andy are up next. They'll take you until 3. The drive with Heather and Sean takes over from 3 to 6. And every day locally starts at 6 a.m. with the morning rush. We're Miller and Condon. Trent and I, our show airs from 11 to 1 on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO.